0: welcome to the Research Works podcast. My name is Dr. Dana Poole and I get the privilege of bringing to you a very special series this week. I am here in Slovenia at the European Academy of Childhood Disability interviewing the researchers and presenters about their work. This is very exciting and I can't wait for you to delve into this whole research conference series. We hope you enjoy the series. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you've been enjoying this whole conference series, Research Works, here at EACD Slovenia 2023. I certainly have, and I've been sitting in on lovely presentations, but I've been able to talk to so many people about their work too, and I think that's been so fabulous. Um, I do have a wonderful guest to present to you guys today. She actually presented in the same segment as myself, and it was just incredible. Everyone talked about how beautiful the presentation was, and so we obviously just had to get her onto this show. So I would love to introduce you. You all now to Amy de Roubaix. I felt like I said it better before in my head. <laughs> A PhD candidate from Ghent University. Welcome and sorry. <laughs> I think
1: no, it, perfectly it was perfectly fine. Okay.
0: <laughs> all very, very polite. Like I said, normally uh, Ash is here with me and Ash um, does all the pronunciations much better than I. So uh, look, I'm trying. Um, but it's been so lovely to be able to, to meet people who have got such wonderful, uh, just amazing passion for areas of research. And and the area that you're being that you presented was absolutely incredible because I think we've talked a lot about you know cerebral palsy at this conference but increasingly we're talking about different groups and your presentation was titled the impact of developmental coordination disorder preliminary results in Belgium tell me how did you come to this place to study in this particular area (laughs)
1: well I always wanted to work with children Mm -hmm. and I wanted to do something scientific yeah Uh, so the area of physiotherapy was perfect for that because you have some science and you have the possibility to work with Children. Yeah. Uh, it's a perfect job, really. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, and I think in my third year, uh, I first had classes about developmental coordination disorder by okay. my first promoter, uh, Hilva Walwalder. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, and I was fascinated about the the topic, uh, just children who are clumsy Uh and they're there and there's many of them. And people don't know. Because people know ADHD, people Mm -hmm. know autism, Mm -hmm. people know dyslexia, but they don't know DCD. Mm. But this one is way more often, it occurs way more often than the other ones. Yeah. uh, What What is the occurrence?
0: It's five to six percent. Five to six percent. So when you consider in a classroom setting, yeah. I I love how you you asked that question at the beginning of your presentation. What was the question that you asked? (laughs) That's a good way to say it. uh, do you remember that
1: one classmate that always is picked last in gym class Mm. because they can't catch a ball? Mm. Or those who always spill their drinks Mm. or those who always bump into others. Yeah. Yep.
0: Those are the kids that might have DCD. Yeah. Yep. And I love how you asked that question because I think so many of us can relate to exactly. that. Exactly, right? That was the point of yeah. that question. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was so beautiful. Um, and I think that's, that's the point because I think developmental coordination disorders had many names. Yes. I think it's been called many different things. I think that's made it difficult, I guess, to come around it and understand yes the condition what what else has it been called over time (laughs) Uh, well it's had horrible names it's been called clumsy
1: child syndrome my goodness it's been called minimal brain damage Uh, there have been several other names for it but it was in 1987 that they first used the name developmental coordination disorder Uh, and nowadays many of many people still use dyspraxia Dyspraxia.
0: uh, as a term for dcd
1: okay Uh, but there was a consensus to use the term DCD preferably. Mm, But it's
0: still being used a lot, the name of dyspraxia. Wow. So how does someone come about to getting a diagnosis? I imagine that it's very symptomatic. So you might just Mm -hmm. notice a lot of this, like you said, like the clumsy Mm -hmm. uh, sort of symptoms how does one then kind of go is this actually a diagnosis or is just, just this person yeah yeah. that's
1: something that parents say a lot well yeah. I was like that so, yeah. so what could be wrong Yeah. or he's just tall or he was from the end of the year so he's just a little bit younger Yeah. and so therefore yep. he is a little bit more clumsy yeah. but uh, it turns out that for many of these children there's an explanation for it and mm. it's that they have DCD yeah. uh, so um, what m- happens A lot of the times is that parents start to recognize some some things. They see that their child is clumsy, and it's when it starts to affect their self esteem, or when school starts to complain that the child the child cannot catch up, or cannot keep up at school. That's when parents really start to worry and start to get into services to get a diagnosis. Right.
0: And the process of getting diagnosis, who would do that? Uh, That depends on the country. Okay.
1: Uh, It should be a doctor. Okay. So that's the same in every country. Okay. Um, But... It's a bit tricky yeah. because each country has their own specialists for sure, that. Okay. Um, so it can be a pediatrician, it okay. can be a child neurologist. Yeah. It can be a physician. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, but there should be an OT or a PT that looks at motor, sure, motor development, yeah. and then a doctor that can exclude that there is anything neurological or another condition that can explain those motor difficulties. Okay.
0: Okay. So I suppose from there, you you, you described a lot. Well, you, What you presented was really quite incredible in terms of what it is that affects children, how mm-hmm. we can see it. What The part that I want to pull out first, because it's always in front of my head, is the difference between male and female and mm-hmm. how, how frequently they are diagnosed in either. Can you talk us through that a little bit more? Yeah. So literature says that there's three
1: boys for one girl with DCD. Mm-hmm. But the question is, is it? Is it really like <laughs> yeah. that? Because uh, what we saw in autism uh, happen as well mm-hmm. is that uh, the children, the the girls are under identified yes. because they can compensate a little bit better yeah. because uh, we have different expectations from them. And True. it's exactly the same uh, when we look at motor development, uh, boys that can't catch a ball or boys that can't kick a ball, yeah. um, they, you will notice them much earlier sure. than those girls. Yes. Because girls can sit, uh, um, at the side of the playground mm. and they can read books mm. and they can play with dolls and you won't necessarily see, accept that. Yeah. 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 You yeah. won't, you won't see that they're clumsy and you won't, uh, be worried mm. that they're sitting there. While yeah. if it, that's a boy who's doing that, people sometimes are allergic
0: to sooner yeah it's such an interesting point isn't it i remember yeah you're so true about autism i know adhd is the same too mm-hmm. i think a lot of females get mm-hmm. diagnosed older because they've mm-hmm. been masking mm-hmm. um, so it's such an interesting area when it comes to that so back to i guess more of the preliminary results mm-hmm. that you had actually set out to to accomplish to find out what was your main aim of what you were trying to do in this particular study um well we
1: wanted to map the impact that dcd has on the child mm-hmm. and its family
0: yeah great.
1: um and it's an international study so it was first started in australia by <laughs> <Yeah>. professor <laughs> by <laughs> yeah. um, and so other countries picked up the topic and picked yeah. up the study and started doing them in their own countries because obviously the trajectories of getting a diagnosis and the uh, cultural differences yeah, are present course, there. Yeah. Uh, so we need to culturally ad- adapt it. Mm. And we can all also see differences across countries because we don't all get the same results when it comes to diagnostic trajectories yeah.
0: and information resources and therapy yeah. possibilities. Sure, sure. And I know that we don't have time to go through all of your results because you had a lot of results. But from there'll be some things that you found particularly interesting that mm. came out of this. What are some of those things that really, really stood out for you? Well... Uh, I,
1: it has been described in qualitative literature, but it has not been measured in quantitative numbers. And that's the uh, incontinence or the potty training difficulties. Wow. So yeah. w- half of the parents indicated difficulties with potty training and incontinence and one out of four of those children still had difficulties uh, um, or had accidents during the day after five years of age and wow. 40% still had bedwetting wetting after five years of age so that's a high number that and that's an issue and that's it's important to talk about this because mm. parents do not relate this to DCD mm. and parents uh, don't talk about this as easy as the other topics yeah. so we need to be aware of this and as a, a physiotherapist or an OT, uh, you need to ask about this because we can support those children with those difficulties. Yeah, that's
0: so true. And I think that's such a good point to raise because we don't often relate exactly that, is it? And if someone might not have, or a child, like you said, might not have a diagnosis yet, Mm -hmm. but they might seek help from an Mm -hmm. OT or physio, Mm -hmm. if we ask these questions, we can help facilitate that process because those are quite high numbers.
1: Yeah. 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 And it's the first time we have this number because this question was actually not in the Uh, initial questionnaire we kind of added it because we saw that coming forward in our interview study interesting Um, so I wanted to add that question together with the other questions that I presented about the articulation and speech difficulties let's talk about that more because
0: I thought I found that really interesting too
1: yes well we know that DCD often co occurs and it also often co occurs with speech language disorders Uh, but yet we saw that the prevalence of those um, difficulties that parents reported regarding articulation and speech were mm-hmm. higher than we would expect in mm-hmm. in a typically developing uh, sample. Mm-hmm. We have not tested it on a typically developing sample, okay. So we cannot know for sure. Yeah, sure yeah. But yeah. Uh, it is something that we need to be mindful of, yeah. um, together with the sleeping difficulties that were also reported mm. um, and the emotional difficulties. But that we know, yeah, that we yeah. know. But yeah. it's important yeah. to emphasize this because this is this is what affects their future way more than their motor difficulties if they have good self-esteem if they grow up to be confident Mm. um, um, adults Mm. then they have a good quality of life so we really really need to invest in how they feel and uh, support them so they don't feel dumb and they don't feel stupid because they are not they are clever and they're creative and they're so uh, good at finding creative solutions and persevering
0: mm. to, to
1: reach their, their goals. Mm. Uh, and we need to acknowledge that.
0: Well, that is so beautiful. And I think that's that's absolutely true, isn't it? Because I think when you are on this journey to sort of find out and understand what's wrong, you end up going down the path of like, what can't they do? What are they having mm-hmm. a lot of difficulty mm-hmm. with? It can gear everything really negatively. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right because the, the problem solving required to when you don't have the answers to function every single day to Mm -hmm. to fit in and be part of your community and your group Mm -hmm. takes a lot of perseverance it does and um, like you said creativity and problem solving
1: yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. they're very good at this and sometimes this can cause um struggles at school as well because they find a creative solution yes but it's not the way that the teacher wants it to be and so then they have to they have to do it the way the teacher teaches it but that's a pity because oh, they are so creative. Yes,
0: so. yeah, yeah. And it can be too rigid and, yeah, yes. we need more flexibility, yes. you know, in the yes. way that we think. That's yes. such an important point. Was there anything I found? I, I, it seems that what you found, there was a lot of things that were surprising. Was there anything yeah. else that surprised you about your results, or things that you weren't expecting or anything that really stood out to you? Um, oh, the
1: the. the, the I was not expecting that those high results for potty training. Of course, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I also find it interesting to look at the influence on the family itself, mm. because we know that it influences the family. Mm. But it's interesting to see what areas are being influenced and we see that parents go to work less they uh, often just don't work anymore or go to work part time to support their child and then there's the financial costs that that come into the picture as well Um, and also what what I found really um, frightening almost is that one out of four had to repeat at least one year of school this is this is
0: yeah, wow. it's a problem. It is. It's hard to put that into words, actually, in terms yeah. of what that means. There's there's yeah. so many challenges there. Wow. Yeah, and
1: we see it uh, more often in those children with other co-occurring conditions yeah. and those with a, a slightly lower family income. Yeah. But still still even when there's no co-occurring conditions or when the family income is like average
0: then then we still see an elevated number that's Um, really truly incredible how what's your main take home from this in terms of what we need to really do now to move forward I I feel like some of them are kind of obvious because you've highlighted them already but Mm. you had a great sort of summary slide that brought it all together do you mind talking us through some of those things because it really was wonderful
1: yeah sure Mm. Uh, so what we really need to remember is that the difficulties that kids with DCD have every day, mm. they go beyond the motor domain. Yeah. It's not just motor difficulties. Yeah. Yep. Um, and they have the strengths that we can build upon. Yeah. So we need to use them. We need to acknowledge them. Yeah. Um, we need to support parents. Yeah. Because there was a high demand of, of parents for more support to be able to better assist their child with Mm. their movement difficulties. Mm. Um, and, uh, finally, we need to raise awareness. We need to educate people that DCD is real. Yes. It exists. Yes. Many people have it. Yes. And we need to acknowledge their difficulties and their strengths and we, we really need to make everyone aware that this exists because we saw that um, doctors kind of knew about it but then when looking at school personnel and mm-hmm. looking outside in the community mm-hmm. too little people
0: knew uh, DCD. That's right, do you remember that yeah. slide? That was a great slide. Yeah. It was. Um, you sort of went through how many people actually knew exactly, what DCD yeah. was so the top three you know, you would hope they would, would yeah. know <laughs> um, but then you had this whole group of people who yeah. it was quite low numbers like one in 10 almost. Uh, yeah that was uh, friends, and family, yeah. friends and family friends and family yeah so the general
1: community they don't know the condition wow and yeah. that makes it hard for parents as well because they receive the diagnosis they talk about it to friends and family and they're like what is this thing yeah. i don't know this thing i know sure. ADHD, i know asd but yeah. i don't know dcd yep. Yep. and then parents have to explain over and over and over again what exactly that
0: is and that's really frustrating and tiring for parents. Yeah of course it is. Gosh I think um, from there there's so many practical things you know you're talking about our role as as health professionals mm-hmm. in education mm-hmm. providing information support. Um, what other sort of real practical things with your background as a physiotherapist too you know what are some of the practical things that you would encourage people to do if um, they have a child in their caseload? with DCD? Mm-hmm. You know, what sort of things can we do? Um, it's really about
1: supporting the the child in everyday activities. Okay. Um, so we don't want to go for normality. We just yeah. want to be able to for them to reach whatever it is that they want. Yeah. So we pick out specific goals that they want to train on right. and then we help them with that. But yeah. Before, like many many years ago, yep. we used to focus on the uh, processes underlying motor activities, such as balance, such as tone, yes, uh, such as coordination, and we used to do these uh, cross exercises yeah, of like yeah. uh, tapping, tapping your head while um, coordination moving around. Exercises. Yes, these kind <laughs> yeah. of things. But we now know that they don't work. Mm-hmm. They're not what we have to do with kids with dcd we have okay. to work task oriented we have to work on what they find important yeah. and we have to educate parents and the teachers and the whole context around the child actually yeah. because that's where the child is going to be every day yes and that's where they need the understanding yes. and that's where they need to the support because parents need to know that they're child will probably always be a little slow mm-hmm. they will always have some difficulties mm-hmm. when they learn new skills mm-hmm. and it's perfectly okay yeah. they're, they're they're going to get there. Yeah, okay. but we need to give them some time yeah. and we need to continue supporting them and just yeah that's lovely yeah yeah build on those strengths as well
0: so I think that's where um from a you know beyond a diagnosis perspective we're still talking about the, these crucial things that we can be doing in our practice being mm-hmm. goal directed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. being very task specific like you said I love how you brought that up I do remember learning that at university many many years ago <laughs> where you know if you have coordination you can I mean there are a lot of things I can't do <laughs> yes, myself yes. but we expect our children who have yes. DCD to do to do these activities but they can't translate them to real life because they're not task specific. Mm-hmm. And so that mm-hmm. context and environment, exactly. I love that you've highlighted that too. It's
1: really important. Yeah,
0: it's so great. Well. Amy, um, congratulations on this huge body of work that you've been embarking on. All the best for the remainder of your time as a PhD candidate. Enjoy the journey. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, it was just lovely for you to spend some time with us and talk us through this really incredible piece of work that you're doing. So thank you. Thank you for Uh having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. And on the last day as well. Yeah, (laughs) On the third day. (laughs) So it's absolutely fabulous. To all of our listeners, I hope you really enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, Stay tuned for so much more, but make sure you head to our website, researchworks.com network. We'll have some links there for you too. So I'll talk to you all again really soon. Bye.